Microphone check, one, two, one, two. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky, and let's get the day started off with some old school, a little bit of a throwback. So, the NFL draft finally came and went. And I have to tell you, I... Boy, I needed the draft. Oh my goodness. So, it was just so much fun being super excited for a sporting event again. Um, And kudos to the NFL with this whole virtual draft because I think everyone had the same sentiment that I did was that this draft is, you know, pretty big news in this current pandemic world and everyone was tuned in. I think they said that they broke records and like had 55 million viewers, which is the highest for an NFL draft ever. Um, So kudos to the NFL for that. Um, but there's a, it was, so there's some really interesting things about this draft. One, I think just a little bit of prediction here. Um, the way that the draft played out with this whole thing being virtual, um, and how well it did virtually, I expect them to keep some form or some virtual aspect to the draft going forward. I think they're going to look at this and see how successful it was. Now, granted, it's probably just because it's a pandemic and, you know, Corona's just running wild outside. But um, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see them say, hey, this was really popular and got us a whole bunch of views last year. Maybe we should try to keep some aspect of it moving forward. So that's one of my big predictions from this draft is expect to see the NFL moving forward, implementing more of this virtual, like the virtual aspect, maybe with, uh, you know, more fan interactions and things like that. Uh, But definitely, I think that's definitely something that's going to come about from just everything that happened this past weekend. Um, For those of you who didn't watch the draft, You can, if you want to, go back and if you go to the Nuts and Bolts Sports YouTube page, you can sit there and watch our entire draft coverage, myself and the Nuts and Bolts Sports team um, on YouTube. If you go to our page, you will find the uh, four and a half hour long (laughs) um, live draft show. Well, we were live when we did it. You won't be watching it live. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was going to say it was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, four and a half, like four and a half hours long. It was, it was crazy. Um, I do want to, we're going to jump right into the NFL draft because that is the most pressing thing. Uh, we might get into some other things depending on how much time we have, how long I spend on this, but, um, that we're going to, I want to talk specifically about the first round. Um, one, I have to say again, kudos to the NFL and to all of the GMs and everybody, um, there wasn't a single giddy up. Like, you know, there wasn't a single hitch. I was fully expecting to watch the draft and, you know, 
somebody come in, the Wi-Fi goes out, somebody's battery dies, somebody's camera goes out, like something was going to happen, you know, they're going to lose connection or whatever. And, you know, I was fully ex- like ready for that. And lo and behold, everything went through. There was no mess ups, like no real technical difficulties. Like I was fully expecting technology to just completely bail <laughs> on us and totally uh, throw a monkey wrench in this plan. But everybody was set up. Um, shout out to Cliff Kingsbury, who has probably the best home I've ever seen. <laughs> I Cliff Kingsbury has the exact house that I want. I was going to say, I don't know. Like the, just the setup, the large windows, the all white in like decor on the inside, fireplace, nice huge TV. It 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 was a it was a good day. It was a good week weekend for Cliff Kingsbury. He got to show off a little bit. Um, also, shout out to Jerry Jones from just for just go ahead and saying, uh, you know what? Uh, my hands don't get tired writing checks and. Uh, I'm going to make these draft picks from my, my, my huge yacht in the middle of the ocean. Um, so <laughs> shout out to Jerry Jones. I, 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 I strive to be able to flex on that level one day, but shout out to you, Jerry. Um, and of course, a little bit of Bill Belichick and his dog. Can we talk about how Bill Belichick is just the master of not training just humans, but dogs as well? Did you all see how his dog was just sitting there staring at the screen? Like obediently, like knowing I better not move until Bill comes back and tells me to do so. <laughs> like that dog was so well trained to a certain point and was being so still that like people were talking about, oh, the dog is fake. And then Bill like came and gave it, gave him a treat. And then it was just like, oh, no, he's just like not only is he the football whisperer, he's a dog whisperer, too. So. um, But anywho, that's enough of the antics and the extra stuff. I want to get into this draft. So aside from there being no technical difficulties, one of the biggest surprises of the draft to me was how little trades there were in the first round. Leading up to the draft, for the last month, month and a half, all we had heard was about all of these trades that are going to happen. Miami's going to trade up. Detroit's going to trade down. Um, Atlanta's talking about trying to trade up. You know, all like there were all of these different um, rumors coming out that we're going to see trades. You know, it's going to be how a lot of drafts are where we're like, you're just going to see multiple trades. Like it's going to be wild. Um, And then lo and behold, like the first 13 picks go and nothing. I think what it was the in the first it was the first time since the 2015 draft that we didn't get a trade in the first 10 picks in the top 10 picks. Like this draft really kind of went on without a hitch. And up until the green Bay Packers decided to make it interesting was kind of just going by. Like it was interesting. Like there were some interesting picks and we'll get into some of them. Um, But until the green Bay Packers really did what they did and made the huge splash of the night, it was relatively a pretty not I don't want to say boring because I love the draft and it's it's a it's exciting it's an exciting event for me to watch but it was kind of a um a pedestrian event as far as like the huge splash moves 
Um, there are, I am going to get into, uh, you know, my three draft winners and my three draft losers. Um, because there are some teams that fared better than others. Um, there are some teams that address their needs and then there are some teams that decided, Hey, maybe we should start thinking about the future. That isn't going to be here for another five years. Um, (laughs) but like I said, we're going to get into all of that. I do want to break down, um, the top five picks, uh, just go through them really quickly. At one, you know, Joe Burrow going number one. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody. Um, it made a ton of sense, you know, and I talked about this on our live show when he was selected. Joe Burrow had to be the pick here for Cincinnati. Like, obviously, you guys are ready to move on from Andy Dalton. Joe Burrow is coming off of what, for my money, would be the greatest single season in college football history. Um over 5,000 passing yards, over 50 uh, passing touchdowns, you know, won the Heisman, led a historic franchise in LSU to a national championship, balled out. There was a point in that national championship where it legitimately looked like Joe Burrow was going to throw for like 12 touchdowns. Like I was sitting there watching, like he's got like six touchdowns right now and it's early in the third quarter. Like it was, I was really sitting there like, yo, he might go for 10. He might go for 11. He might go for 12. Um, and then, like I said, Joe Burrow being a sense of, like being a kid from Ohio, the Bengals had to take him like it, even though apparently the Dolphins and I don't know because what I, one thing that I will say about this draft Excuse me. <clears throat> One thing I will say about this draft is that I feel like a lot of the rumors that we were hearing were kind of BS um, because I feel like with this draft process, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, I feel like a lot of teams weren't really able to speak to each other about what they wanted to do or give their analysis on players because they couldn't really talk to them individually. So I feel like you were getting a lot of rumors just because no one really knew what was going on. And so anyone would just at the drop of any dime or, you know, at the mention of any word, the rumor would get out. But I don't think maybe there was any real credence to a lot of these rumors. Um, Because, you know, we heard that the Dolphins wanted to trade all three of their first round picks to the Cincinnati Bengals for, you know, to get the number one pick and take Joe Burrow, which I understand if Cincinnati would have taken that deal, but uh, I think Cincinnati did the right thing. Let's go ahead, get Burrow in there. Um, it's going to be, it, 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 it provides some excitement for the Bengals fans. We get to see if uh, Zach Taylor is actually a good coach now. Like you've got your quarterback. Um, they drafted a wide receiver too, to add to that offense. That offense, I was going to say, when you look at that offense, um, like I said, that offensive line is going to need some work. When you look at that offense, they've got Joe Mixon at running back, who I think is an underrated running back um, and is one of the 15 best in the league. You have A.J. Green, who's a stud. You have Tyler Boyd. You have John Ross. And then you add T. Higgins. They've got a lot of speed. They've got a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. It's now just a matter of can Zach Taylor coach these guys up? Can he develop Joe Burrow? I'm so sorry. I'm yawning a lot today. What is going on? <clears throat> um, but can Joe Burrow develop into, you know, an NFL starting caliber quarterback? 
Um, but I like what the, I like. Like I said, I like the pick. Um, great job for the for the Bengals, uh, not messing this up. Uh, pick two, Washington. Chase Young M- makes a ton of sense. You know what I will say, and I'm very happy about this is that I'm happy that the teams in the top five, specifically the top three, because the Bengals, Washington, and the Lions were all teams that people were speculating could trade down. Um, I am happy that none of them did that, and they took the guy that filled, that not only was probably the best on the board at the position or at at the current time, but also filled a need for them. Like, I'm so happy Washington sat at number two and didn't trade down and pass up on Chase Young. I think Chase Young is a stud. I think Chase Young is going to come in and immediately dominate. I think you give Ron Rivera two hellacious edge rushers like Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and they're going to, I mean, they're going to give a lot of quarterbacks headaches down there with that defense. That Washington defense is starting to come along really well. Chase Young is a freak athlete like think about this like every measurable and every every you know evaluation says that he's a better prospect than joey bosa or nick bosa that's a lot of praise seeing as how they both went on to be defensive rookies of the year and joey bosa i believe already has a defensive player of the year and nick bosa was playing in the super bowl not too long ago so um if he if he balls out like they do, or God willing, is even better, um, Washington probably just like Washington probably got the best player in this draft. Um, you know, like I said, I know Riverboat Ron down there. He's he's going to be pretty excited about that. Um, I'm 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 intrigued to see what Washington is going to do. I think I think the NFC East is. You're, we're gonna have to keep a close eye on it because there's there were some good moves by all those teams. Truth be told, um, so we got to see what happens there. But Washington, great job picking Chase Young. You didn't mess it up. You did the right thing. You did the smart thing. Uh, so that great, great pick for them. Um, at three, Jeff Okuda to the Lions. Makes sense. You know, they just traded away Darius Slay um, to the Eagles. And other than Darius Slay, they didn't have anyone on that in that secondary that they really trusted um, or that they really uh, thought was ready to take that next step and be, you know, their starting corner. Um, Jeff Okuda, I love him. I I love his confidence. Um, I love his playmaking ability, his ball skills. Um, he's got great technique, really fluid, um, in the hips, twitchy feet. He's, he's a great prospect. I saw, I can't remember who it was. I saw someone that was like, you know, Jeff Okuda at three was a stretch because he really isn't good enough to go three. It's just that, you know, the Lions had such a desperate need for him. I disagree. I think Jeff Okuda was one of the best prospects in this draft. Um, I love what he's going to do in Detroit I think that it's a great fit for them um and I'm gonna tell you though he's gonna be put to the test very quickly because you've got Aaron Rodgers to go up against you've got Kirk Cousins to go up against you've got Nick Foles to go up against and there's some really good weapons over there in the NFC North 
So he's going to be put to the test very quickly. He's going to he's going to he's going to be going through the gulag, okay? Like he's it's not going to be easy sledding for him, but I think he's built for it. I think he's a stud corner. Um great pick for the Lions. The Giants. So the Giants um at number 4, the Giants are the ones that kind of I guess made the first splash of the night um because everyone was expecting one of the other three offensive linemen to go you know we were thinking you know okay the Giants maybe they go Isaiah Simmons but for the most part everyone was expecting them to go offensive linemen we just didn't expect them to go Andrew Thomas um and Andrew Thomas is a really good running back one or offensive lineman I'm sorry um one of the things that I heard someone say on our uh on our live draft show was that Andrew Thomas was the safest of the offensive linemen. Like of the, of the four best offensive linemen in this draft, he was the safest, good technique, solid foundation, strong will help in both run and pass. He might not be as talented as say a Makai Becton or a Tristan Wirfs or a Jedrick Wills. Um, but he's, extremely solid and a guy who has a very very he might not have the highest ceiling but he has the highest floor um which I think makes a ton of sense you know for the Giants build up that offensive line listen I feel like a lot of a lot of teams are starting to realize finally that you win games in the trenches um no matter what you know you win games in the trenches um you need an offensive line because it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. It doesn't matter how many weapons you have. If your offensive line can't block anybody, your offense isn't going to do anything. And same thing on the flip side, it doesn't matter how good your corners are. It doesn't matter how good, you know, your linebackers and safeties are. If your defensive line is just getting, you know, completely decimated and getting wiped out and not generating any pressure, not filling any holes, it doesn't really matter. So winning, you look at any of the teams that have won recently, they have stellar offensive line or defensive line play, or most of them both, or maybe not even stellar, but really good and respectable. You need to have, you need to have guys in the trenches because if you don't, you're not going to have a lot of success in this league. So good for them. They get somebody to help block for Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Uh, I think that's a great pick for the Giants. At five, I am so happy. So Miami, I don't know how much credence there was to the you guys are picking or trying to trade up for Joe Burrow. I don't know if that was true or not. I We heard the rumors on draft day. Um. I'm happy that Cincinnati turned you all down, though, because I feel like it actually worked out best for you all. I've been saying for quite some time, Tua Tagovailoa is the best quarterback in this draft. His only concern is health. If Tua can stay healthy, it wouldn't even be a question between who do we take between Joe or Tua. If Tua had been healthy throughout his college career, it would be Tua and it would not be close. Um, I think Miami is a perfect hand-in-glove situation. You go to a, 
an organization that, yes, they are rebuilding, but they have the right people there. I think Brian Flores immediately came in and showed he's one of the best coaches in the league. He's a guy who gets uh, his players ready. He doesn't subscribe to the mentality of, you know, we're a bad team. We're supposed to lose. No, he got that team situated. He got that team believing, hey, listen, I understand everyone says we're bad. We're coming out here to compete every single damn day. And that's exactly what that Miami team started doing um, after the first maybe four or five weeks of the season. So I think Tua going there, um, it allows them to one, sit back, and we have Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the great thing with that is Tua, you're coming off injuries, and even though you've looked good and you've looked fluid in these uh, past, in your little Instagram videos and the drills that you've been doing, that's all great. We love it. However, um, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, Tua doesn't see the field this year. Tua doesn't see the field this year. We let Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there. Um, you know, maybe we go out, probably won't have a winning season, you know, but we're building We're what we're doing now is we're building the foundation so that when Tua does come back, he's coming back to a squad that is one has a winning mentality and knows what it is to compete. And two, probably will be loaded up with talent by the time Tua is ready to be the starter. You got to think, like, they have, like, next year's draft. If Tua doesn't play at all this year, they'll have next year's draft to maybe get him a weapon, you know, to add on to, you know, Devontae Parker and whatnot and get some more guys that they spent a lot of money on that on the defensive side of the ball. Um, So there's a lot to go through with the Dolphins, but – I'm very, very, very excited for the chance that Tua gets because I think it's, like I said, it is a hand-in-glove fit. It's absolutely perfect for what they want to do. Um, It's perfect for Tua. Um, I love that later on uh, with their other three first-round picks, they got Austin Jackson, who is probably going to need a little bit of time to develop at the offensive line. But I think once he actually gets it, and I think that Brian Flores and that coaching staff will do a phenomenal job of um, developing him. He's going to take a year or two to really become a consistent offensive lineman at the start, at the starting offensive lineman position. But once he gets it, he has all the talent in the world. He's going to be integral to the success of Tua. So I think great pick by them. Um, Noah Igbehine out of Auburn corner, Great corner, um, really good prospect. I think getting him at the end of the first round probably could have waited to get him a little bit, I think, personally. But I think he's a really good pick. Um, And I like pairing him up with um, some of the other defensive players that they went out and got in in free agency, specifically um, with Byron Jones. So all in all, I think they had a really good draft. I love what they did. Um, and I'm just happy that they didn't they didn't mess it up. You know, I'm, I'm happy that they didn't outthink themselves and they didn't work too hard and they took Tua. Um, so that's my first five picks. We are going, that's just me going through the first five picks there. We are going to do a um, draft show, Nuts and Bolts Sports. We are going to do a uh, draft recap. So if you want to hear myself and the rest of the Nuts and Bolts Sports team um, give our opinions and analysis on the picks from the first round and maybe a couple of the, a couple others in the second and third or whatever. Um, if you want to hear that, 
um, will be on the Nuts and Bolts um, YouTube page. We'll post. I'm sure I will post the link on Twitter um, and Instagram, uh, and you can follow the Nuts and Bolts sports team there and things like that. But um, before we get out of here, I want to talk about my three draft winners and my three draft losers. So, looking at the winners, um, when I look at the draft winners, I look. And as much as it pains me to say, because as I've stated on this show before, I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. However, I am not blind. And the Ravens probably had the best draft of anyone. Like, one, you have a Ravens team that honestly did not have a lot of needs to fill. And... That's a great position to be in. When you're a team where you look back, when you when you approach the draft and honestly all you're doing is we're really just looking for depth here, that's a really great position to be in because it means that you've built a sound roster and now you're just bringing in guys to compete for positions, you know, like or add depth to a position. Um, you're not really looking for, an, like there's not many needs on your team. Um, the Ravens, truth be told, really only had two needs um i think ever since cj mosley left um they've needed an inside linebacker they went and got that in patrick queen um he's super talented um he did only start 16 games in at lsu but if you just put on put on the tape and watch him he's the one that's bursting onto the field like you see his number and you see his name jump off the screen he is an absolute monster on the inside, I think he's going to be a great leader. I think he brings a lot of energy. He's a guy who can fall back into coverage if you want him to line up against the running back or maybe cover a tight end. He's good sideline to sideline. He has good speed, can get through holes. He'll make plays in the backfield. He's a stud, um, and I don't look forward to seeing him twice a year. Um, the only other position of need that they really had was at guard um, because of the replace um, to because of the retirement of Marshall Yonda. Um, they didn't grab a guard until round four in Ben Bredesen out of Michigan. Um, we'll see what happens there. Um, but when you just look at their draft, like look, when you look at their first couple picks, you know, Patrick Queen in the first round, J.K. Dobbins in the second. Getting J.K. Dobbins towards the end of the second round is insane. J.K. Dobbins might have been the best running back in this draft class. Um, and you pairing him up with Mark Ingram is just going to add more depth and more uh, just make that offense more dynamic, especially seeing as how, you know, they posted the best rushing offense of all time last season. Um, they're going to have a hell of a chance to do it again this year. Um, Justin Matabuke, um, defensive lineman out of Texas A&M, Devin DuVernay gets some help on in the wide receiver core. Uh, they they just had a really, really, really good draft, got really good value in drafting guys, um, guys who might have been, you know, top 50, top 60, top 70 talents, you know, guys who like they got them, you know, at 40, you know, or at 80, 90, like this, they did a really good job of drafting talent and getting good value out of that talent. Um, so I... I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not looking forward <laughs> to having to play this team twice a year. Um, but they did a hell of a job. They did a hell of a job. I love what they did. 
Next up, um, the Vikings. So before the draft started, I said, I don't think the Vikings are going to take a wide receiver in the first round. Mainly because when you looked at that defense and how they lost Xavier Rhodes, they lost Trey Waynes, like they lost like three corners. And oh, by the way, they lost Everson Griffin. So I was under the impression they were going to stack up on the defensive players. Um, and when you look at their first four picks, they didn't necessarily do that. Now they did get two really good corners. Um, well, first things first in the first round, they drafted Justin Jefferson. I think that's a huge steal. Um, I think that Justin Jefferson should have, could have been a top 20, top 15 pick. Um, I was surprised as hell that the Eagles didn't take him. Um, we're going to get to the Eagles because they're actually one of my teams that I feel like are draft losers because of that move. Um, but when you look at the value that they got as well, um, they get Ezra Cleveland in the second round, who's going to be a great offensive lineman for them. I love Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. Um, Jeff Gladney, cornerback out of TCU. Cam- Cameron Dantzler, cornerback out of Mississippi State. Um, they Minnesota... Minnesota did a really good job. I think Justin Jefferson falling to them uh, was a blessing. I don't think they expected to see Justin Jefferson at pick 22. Um, Like I said, trading back into the first round to get Jeff Gladney is a great move. Love Ezra Cleveland. Um, And then when you just look, so they had a lot of picks as well, which I think is great when you have a lot of picks because it just, it means more bodies more bodies in that you can look at, that you can evaluate. It's more competition. It's going to make everybody better. And they had 15 picks. (laughs) Um, Granted, all 15 of these picks probably will not make the the team. But if anything, it gives them a ton of talent to mess around with and to evaluate and to just add depth and competition at a ton of different positions. So... Um, I really like Minnesota's draft. And the other team, and this sucks too, man. See, you know what? I It, I, it upsets me when I have to give credit to the teams that, like, as a fan, I hate. <laughs> so I have to do it twice <clears throat> here. Um, I have to give credit to the Ravens. I have to give credit to the Cowboys. And really, mainly because C.D. Lamb. Um CD Lamb being there at 17, I I can't believe it. You know, I I genuinely I really cannot believe CD Lamb was there at 17. Um and I just look at that Dallas Cowboys that Dallas Cowboys offense. You're going to have a great offensive line in front of Dak Prescott. You'll have Dak Prescott the action as the quarterback. You're going to have Amari Cooper on one side. You're going to have Michael Gallup. You're going to have CeeDee Lamb. You're going to have Ezekiel Elliott. Like, it's insane the amount of talent that is on that offensive side of the ball in Dallas. Mike McCarthy is going to have a field day coaching them up. And this is interesting because it seems like drafting CeeDee Lamb, while it would, while it does, it could very well just be a case of, you know, best player available. We're getting a guy who honestly should have been a top 10 pick um, at 17. Like we're getting a steal here and he kind of fell into our lap. We have to take him. Um, So I think that 
you know, with that pick, it puts Dak Prescott and this squad in a interesting position. Um, I think that this has to be the year for Dak Prescott. Um, if Dak Prescott does sign his franchise tag, I think I saw that he did, but I could be wrong, so I'm not going to say that. Um, but let's say Dak Prescott signs his franchise tag and he comes and he plays. You have absolutely no excuses, dude. Like, there are no excuses. You keep talking about you want, you know, a five-year or, or you want a four-year contract and you want to get paid $30 million per year and you want to be paid like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Well, here is your reason to do it. You have a good offensive line, a great running back, and you have probably the best trio of wide receivers in the league. There is no reason why the Dallas Cowboys should not win the NFC East and should not win at least one playoff game next year with that offense. Off the strength of that offense alone, there's no reason why they should not be in the playoffs next year. Um, I love what they did in the second, as far as the Cowboys go, I love what they did in the second and third round, getting Trayvon Diggs, who is a corner from Alabama. I said this at the live show. Um, guys that come out of Alabama, I trust just because Nick Saban is going to coach them up. And Alabama to me is the closest thing that you're going to get to a professional football team in the college ranks. Um, Trayvon Diggs, I like him, uh, has some inconsistencies, um, in coverage. He's a converted wide receiver, you know, like he was a former wide receiver who was converted to corner. Um, so he might not have the toughness that you would like out of a defender. However, being that he's a former wide receiver, he has great hands and he has really good return man ability. So he's a guy where if he gets it, if he picks it, he can take it to the house. Um, I think that's also another great thing is you put him back there on kickoff and punt return situations and he can make some things happen. Um, I like Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. I think he's a really good interior lineman. Um, I think that's going to help shore, shore up that uh, interior line. Um, the Cowboys... We're a middle of the team, uh, middle of the pack team when it came to uh, generating sacks and pressure. I think Neville Gallimore will fill up holes um, and he'll get a whole bunch of tackles for loss and can generate uh, pressure from the interior, maybe get a couple sacks. Um, but I like, I, I really like what the Cowboys did as much as I hate to admit it. <laughs> really like what they did. Um, but that's enough for the winners. Let's talk about these guys that blew it, okay? So. Do I want to start? No, you know what? We'll we'll save them for last. Um, the Texans. So, Houston. Um, you know what? I try, and again, I always say this. I I never want to come out here and openly call for someone's job. I never want to come out here and you know wish that someone gets fired. But how does Bill O'Brien still have a job? <laughs> like, so let me get this straight. And the Houston Texans, by the way, might have had the worst offseason of anybody. You traded away one of the three best wide receivers in the league in DeAndre Hopkins. And really, all you got back for him was a, what, second round pick? 
like uh, that trade still bothers me so much because there's so much like you you traded him away really for nothing like you got you traded him away didn't even get a first round pick for him which and oh by the way when Minnesota traded Stefan Diggs, who is, and no disrespect to Stefan Diggs, but Stefan Diggs isn't even half the receiver DeAndre Hopkins is, they got a first rounder back. So how you don't get a first rounder for DeAndre Hopkins is beyond me. Um, when you start letting your emotions and your personal um, relationship with the player come into the work aspect of your job and, and all of that, like the business side, you you don't like you've already proven you don't deserve this position. I don't understand why Bill O'Brien has this like Bill O'Brien has the same amount of power with the Houston Texans that Bill Belichick does. And Bill Belichick has like nine rings. Bill O'Brien doesn't even have one. Like it's it's it baffles me. But you look at their draft, Ross Blacklock in the second round defense defensive tackle. Okay, you know, a lot of mixed opinions about him. He played nose tackle um, at TCU. Has some pass rush ability. Um, he's stout against the run. Not really going to get after the pass rush. But, I mean, it's just, it's kind of an eh pick, you know. Like, it's not, it doesn't shake the room. Um, Jonathan Greenard. Uh, just, I just look at their picks. And then also, mainly, in a draft class filled with wide receivers, you just traded away your best wide receiver. Conventional wisdom would say, hey, maybe we should take one. And you didn't take a wide receiver until the fifth round? Your last pick in the draft was a fifth rounder, Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island. Nothing against Isaiah, but it's just like, if you think Isaiah Coulter and Brandon Cooks are going to replace DeAndre Hopkins, you are gravely mistaken. Um, So I... Listen, I don't know what they're doing in Houston. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, but hey, I'm not in that position. I'm not in that room. I'm not getting paid that money. Um, hopefully it works out because I like Deshaun Watson a lot um, and I want him to have some success. But uh, as of right now, Bill O'Brien, as my friend Pat McAfee says, if you don't watch his show, you definitely should. The Pat McAfee show, he's hilarious. Um, this is not an ad. I'm just a big fan of his, but as Pat McAfee and his team like to say, Bill O'Brien looks like a stooge right now. Um, and I have to agree. Moving on. We'll talk about, let's talk about the Eagles. Um, so Philly, I, so let's first things first, Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Now, I understand that move. Um, like, I understand it on the surface, but at the same time, it just, I don't think you needed to spend a second round pick on a guy that's going to be your backup. Like, because that's essentially what you did. Like, you spent a second round pick on a backup quarterback who might be your for who might end up being your starter if Carson Wentz can't stay healthy. Um, and I just don't think that's wise when you have so many different needs on this team. Like, I, in all honesty, I felt like Philly should have doubled down and gotten another receiver in the second round. Like, truth, true, truthfully. 
Um, and speaking of receivers, I feel like they kind of messed up in the first round. Um, Jalen Rager, to me, I didn't have a first-round grade on him. And as crazy as it sounds, Jalen Rager, uh, there's an NFL comp for Jalen Rager, and as far as who he reminds me of, he looks a lot like Nelson Aguilar. And that's not something you want as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So I don't get, I mean, he's, granted, Jalen, is he explosive? Absolutely. Um, but I just, I, I, I didn't get taking Jalen Rager there, especially when Justin Jefferson was right there on the board. Um, you could have had Justin Jefferson there. Yes, they traded for Marquise Goodwin, who I like that trade. Um, I like bringing him in, but. Are you really comfortable moving forward with Marquise Goodwin and Jalen Rager being your top options? Because I don't think you can trust Alshon Jeffrey to be there um, consistently. And Deshaun Jackson is starting to get up there in age. So I don't think you can, you can't trust Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson to be there consistently for you. Like, both of them missed what Sean Jackson missed the, almost the entire season, except for the first two games. Alshon Jeffrey was constantly out and has constantly been out and missed games since he's been in Philly. So I don't know. I, it just, it seems like they kind of maybe thought too hard on that first pick. And then, like I said, while it is a good insurance policy and maybe they do have, you know, some Taysom Hill type packages that Jalen Hurts can come in and run spending a second round pick on a guy that essentially is going to be your backup quarterback seems like a really high price to pay. Um, but like I said, I get it. Carson Wentz, he's, he's injury prone, you know, and it's nice to have someone that you can trust back there. So we'll see. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Philly uh, draft this year. So on to the next Two. I know I said three, but I'm gonna do I'm gonna do four. <laughs> Call me negative Nancy today. I'm sorry. Um let's talk about Oakland. Um it's starting to seem like for whatever reason when it comes and and my my nuts and bolts sports uh colleague and friend Jeff Barnes said this when we were talking about the Raiders. He said, it seems like Mike Mayock, his first pick is his worst pick. And I have to say, I completely agree. So when you look at Henry Ruggs, there's no way anyone with a pair of eyes looked at Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb and said, Henry Ruggs is the best. There's no one with a pair of eyes that did that, except Mike Mayock, apparently. Now, granted, they over there in Oakland, uh, well, Las Vegas, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, they value speed a lot. And Henry Ruggs did run a 427, which is an absolute burner. But getting him, like, you got Robin, you know, like, and that's the funny thing. It's like Henry Ruggs was the Robin to Jerry Judy's Batman in Alabama. Like, you got 
the sidekick when you could have had the superhero. Um, it's just, it's, it was, it was a head scratcher to me. Um, I think that, you know, is Henry Ruggs a, and that's my thing too. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just poo-pooing Henry Ruggs because I do think he's a really good, really good, uh, wide receiver. He can score on any given play because of his speed. Um, has pretty good hands, but I just, I, I'm not sure. I, I just think that when you had Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb specifically, staring you in the face, it's it, it it's a head-scratcher for me. Same thing with Damon Arnett at 19. I felt like that was a bit of a stretch. Um, I don't think he was a first-round guy. Um, granted, they did need cornerback talent. Um, but I... And you know, and C.J. Henderson was off the board. Who C.J. Henderson was someone that I, I had the Raiders taking C.J. Henderson, um, possibly you know at twelve, but Damon Arnett. I just again, you got another, you got another sidekick, <laughs> like, and that's my thing with the Raiders' first two picks is that with their first two picks in the first round, you got two sidekicks. Like Henry Ruggs was the sidekick to Jerry Judy. Damon Arnett was the sidekick to Jeff Okuda. So you're taking two guys who for the last couple of years have not been the number one guy and you're thrusting them into a position where, Hey, you're immediately the focal point. Like Damon Arnett, you are now number one corner. Henry Ruggs, you are now the number one receiver. Um, I just feel like that's a lot of pressure. Um, we got to see what happens. Um, but I, and then, you know, they went and got two more wide receivers in the third round and Lynn Bowden Jr., Brian Edwards. Not bad. Um, but again, just, it, yeah, this team, neither one of those two are standouts to me. And I feel like they both are going to need, they're going to need more receivers, I think. Um, I don't think Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams is really going to be enough. They're going to need to get some more out of that. Um, I will give them some credit. I like Tanner Muse in the third round, towards the, uh, toward, in, in the third round, towards the end of the third round, um, out of Clemson. Um, I like him a lot. I think that was, I think that actually might be their best pick. Um, but I just, the Raiders, I feel like they whiffed in the first round and they whiffed hard. And I think it's going to come back to bite them. Lastly, the Green Bay Packers. So, I don't know, you know, LaFleur and Greg Kuntz um, very well. You know, this is their first year and everything, and they're trying to, you know, implement their offense and get their own scheme and all that. Um, can someone please help me make sense of this draft? So, because from what it seems, it seems like they simply sat back and said, what's the best way we can piss off Aaron Rodgers? Like that's literally what happened in this off in this draft. They literally sat back and said, "What is the best way 
to piss off our franchise quarterback. So, what are we going to do? We're going to draft Jordan Love. Not only that, and here's, so here's my thing. There's some, because I saw a whole bunch of people saying, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers, you know, this is what happened with Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers should know what's about to happen. You know, he shouldn't be upset and, you know, this. No, a couple things. Very, while the situations on the surface look similar, they are starkly different. One difference. When Aaron Rodgers was drafted, Brett Favre had been speaking and almost threatening the Packers with retirement. Brett Favre had spoken openly about, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about retiring. It was like, like while Brett Favre did have four years left on his contract, Brett Favre was talking about retirement and the Green Bay Packers had to start thinking about that. Flip that to this year in 2020, Aaron Rodgers has actually said the exact opposite. Aaron Rodgers has said, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited. I want to stay healthy. Uh, I want to finish my my finish out this contract. I'll be 40, and you know, if my body is healthy, I want to play into my 40s. You know why? Because he just saw Tom Brady and Drew Brees at the ages of 41 and 43 get two-year contracts, and they're both playing tremendously. And I think Aaron Rodgers sits back and says, "You know what? If I can stay healthy, and I'm 40 years old, I would like to play in my 40s. You know, if I can stay healthy and I can still play this game, and he's all." Also, by the way, said, I want to be a Packer for life. So in Aaron Rodgers' mind, I have five, six, maybe seven years left. And from what I've seen, he hasn't really shown any sort of regress or decline in his play. So drafting Jordan Love here is not the same, you know? Because Jordan Love doesn't help your team not... Like, that's the thing. Jordan Love doesn't help your team next year or the year after or the year after or the year after. Like, Jordan Love is not going to help this team out until year five when Aaron Rodgers' contract is up for the most part. Like, um, got you know, knock on wood, that he doesn't get injured. But Jordan Love isn't going to help this team anytime soon. So, but like I said, that's one difference. Another difference is that the Green Bay Packers are coming off of a conference championship appearance. They were one game away from the Super Bowl. When that happened with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers weren't coming off of almost being in the Super Bowl. Were they a good team? Yes. Were they a playoff team? Yes. But they weren't coming off of a situation where they were Super Bowl contenders. So the situa- like it, so like conventional wisdom would say, hey, maybe we should get some help for Aaron Rodgers. And get, you know, some some weapons for him. But they didn't do that. And another difference. Um, back when the Green Bay drafted Aaron Rodgers, they let Aaron Rodgers fall in their lap. Like, this year, they traded up to get Jordan Love. And, you know, they said, you know, they tried to, you know, finagle it and say, oh, well, you know, he uh, we didn't have a, a first round grade on anyone else, you know. And there were four teams ahead of us, and we knew that some teams were going to be trying to get Jordan Love. Um, so we decided that we'd make the call and we'd trade up and take him. Okay, here's the thing. If that is your philosophy as a GM and as a front office, that is a terrible philosophy, and you don't need to be in the NFL. If you don't have a first-round grade on anybody, or the or you only have a first-round grade on a guy who's who's playing a position that you don't have a need for, Conventional wisdom would say, hey, maybe we should probably trade down 
and get some more picks in the second or third round so that way we can get some better value out of our picks. Not, oh, well, you know what? He's the only, we're, like, we're, we're sitting here at 30 in the first round, and that guy's the only first-round pick, that first-round grade that we have left, so we got to trade up to get him? No. That's, that's such asinine thinking. So what that says to me is, no, 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 no. It's not because he was the only player left on your board with a first-round grade. You all wanted Jordan Love, and that's the difference. The Packers, back when Aaron Rodgers got drafted, Aaron Rodgers fell to them. Oh, sorry. The other difference, Aaron Rodgers was the consensus best quarterback in the draft. 31 teams thought that, except for the 49ers who drafted Alex Smith, and look how that panned out for them. Aaron Rodgers was the consensus best quarterback and quite honestly, best prospect in the draft. Like that's how good Aaron Rodgers was coming out of college. And so when he started to fall, everyone was like, why is Aaron Rodgers falling? Because he's supposed to be the best quarterback in this draft. And so the Green Bay Packers, when he fell into their lap, it was just like, yeah, we could trade down. But Brett Favre has been talking about retiring and this is the best quarterback prospect in the draft. Like I'm a Steelers fan, right? If a couple years ago, Andrew Luck would have like fallen <laughs> like to us or whatever, or like if like, you know, a couple years ago, Deshaun Watson would have fallen to us. Granted, I would have been like, yeah, Ben's going to be a little bit upset about it, but Deshaun Watson is kind of like the best prospect in this draft. It would have made sense. Jordan Love, by all accounts, might not have even been a top three quarterback prospect. Like Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert. Those were the three quarterbacks in this draft. Those were the top three. Jordan Love was a fourth guy, was the fourth best prospect. Hell, if you ask some people, some people actually would have taken, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jalen Hurts over him, which means Jordan Love at best was a fourth best prospect and quite possibly a fifth quarterback prospect. It's so, there's stark differences. Like I said, I understand it looks similar on the surface, but you have to dig deeper. Green Bay is intentionally trying to push Aaron Rodgers out the door. That's really the only thing that I can take away from this. You are trying to push Aaron Rodgers out the door. And oh, by the way, if you're thinking, well, Dom, look, they, they thought about their future in the first round. At least let's look at what they did in the second round. Or let's look at what they did for the rest of the, for the rest of the draft. For the rest of the draft, um, let me ask, what was the deepest draft position this year? Wide receiver. What's something that the Green Bay Packers desperately need? Another wide receiver. Because while Devontae Adams is amazing, and I think he's one of the 15 best wide receivers in the league and is criminally underrated, love Devontae Adams. Um, who else on that, in that wide receiver group is worth a damn? Nobody. No one stood up and was a consistent second option for Aaron Rodgers. Okay, yes, they brought in Devin Funches. Um Devin there's a reason why Devin Funches has bounced around from team to team in his in his career. There's a reason why he was with the Panthers and then he was somewhere else and now he's here in Green Bay. He's not consistent enough to be a number 1. Maybe he can be a number 2, but we don't know. Why not bring in a wide receiver and with let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine picks. With nine picks in this draft, you didn't take a single wide receiver. 
you're like this looks like intentional sabotage like you are intentionally trying to sabotage Aaron Rodgers and you're trying to push him out the door that's ex- that's that's the only thing that I can take from this that's literally the only thing I can take from this it's very hard um in the draft right when you think about the draft most teams either get better or they stay the same it's very hard in the draft to get worse. The Green Bay Packers got worse because now all you have is strife, you have distrust, and you have a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. So good job, Packers. Matt LaFleur and Greg Kuntz, good job. You guys ruined what could have been a great team and a great season for you all next year. Your defense gave up 186 yards rushing in the conference championship before contact. Maybe, hey, uh, maybe let's draft a a linebacker or maybe let's draft a defensive lineman. Maybe let's trade down and get some more value so that way we can get some more picks. Maybe let's get Aaron Rodgers some weapons. No, you took Jordan Love. And then in the second round, you took A.J. Dillon, a running back out of Boston College, who was an extreme reach because he did not have a second round grade on him. And you already have Aaron Jones. So, like, I'm... The Green Bay Packers really frustrated me, and I'm not even a Packers fan. (laughs) Um... It just, it made no sense. And like I said, it seems like their whole draft philosophy this year was, what's the best way to piss off Aaron Rodgers? And boy, did they execute that. But I'm rambling now and we're going on almost an hour. (laughs) So I got to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, Like I said, uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports, we will be doing our uh, draft recap probably Thursday. Um, I will post the link on my Twitter and I will post more announcements on Twitter and Instagram, things like that. Um, you will you will be able to catch us on our YouTube page. Um, like I said, also, if you want to rewatch the draft with our live draft coverage, by all means, you can go to the Nets and Bolts Sports page on YouTube, find it, um, and watch all four hours of its gloriousness. Um, I want to thank you all so much for checking in, listening. Um, I really appreciate all the love and support. Um, I hope you all are staying safe in this pandemic. Um, Please, please, please wash your hands, wear your mask, wear your gloves when you go out. Don't go out for unnecessary reasons. Um, Just be safe um, and whatnot, and we'll make make it through. Um, But thank you all so much. And of course, as always, I leave you with the quote Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They hate the greats. So go out there and make some new haters. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next time.